Did you know that if you have no food, if you do not eat, that provided you have sufficient water, a human could live for about two months with no food. After a while, though, the body is going to start suffering the consequences and the effects of not having what we desperately need to survive, to live, to to accomplish what we've been created to do. Uh, We're going to begin to experience weakness, pain. Uh, Our heart rate's going to slow down, and eventually our organs are going to start to fail. But if you don't have water... With no water, you can only live for about three days. And then uh, your body temperature starts to be able to, to not be regulated. Uh, your, uh, the, the, the toxins that are in your system can't be removed. And your body slowly or really quickly begins to break down. And in three days, you will be dead. You see, there's certain things that humans need to survive, certain things that humans need to live out humanity rightly and properly. And for the people of God, we have an additional deep need. It's not just food. It's not just water. But it's the word of God. The people of God desperately need cannot survive, function, live out their calling without the Word of God. This morning, we're back in uh, 1 Samuel together. Uh, we're going to be in chapter 3. Remember, we've, uh, uh, we've seen that, that this book has been given uh, to God's people, uh, that, that God's people would hope and rest and look to the promised king that is to come. Uh, Regardless of what the the situation and the circumstance looks like, uh, regardless of what they're they're experiencing, that they would hope and trust in the promised and coming king. Uh, We're going to see this week that this coming king is established and comes to God's people through his word. And that's why it's important and it's necessary that God's people understand how much and how important that word is and how much we need it. So, if you would, look with me. We're going to be beginning in verse, the second half of verse 1 in chapter 3 and going through the first half of verse 1 in chapter 4. So, if you would, follow along with me. If you're following along in one of the black Bibles there in your seats, this is on page 227. And the word of Yahweh was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of Yahweh, where the ark of God was. Then Yahweh called to Samuel and said, Here I am. Yahweh called to Samuel and he said, Here I am. And ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And Yahweh called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, 
Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know Yahweh, and the word of Yahweh had not yet been revealed to him. And Yahweh called Samuel again the third time. And he rose and he went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that Yahweh was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Yahweh your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And Yahweh came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then Yahweh said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning and he opened the doors of the house of Yahweh. And Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is Yahweh. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew, and Yahweh was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of Yahweh. And Yahweh appeared again at Shiloh, for Yahweh revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of Yahweh. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you that you have revealed yourself to us through your word. We thank you that as your people, we have your scriptures before us today and that you continue to reveal yourself and speak to your people through the word of God. Uh, We pray and ask that you would do that this morning. Use your word to speak, to comfort, to convict, to change to shape your people. For your glory we pray. Amen. The people of God need the Word of God. Uh, It's evident in this passage. Notice how it begins there in the second half of verse 1. The Word of Yahweh was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. You remember what we've seen so far of what's been going on in the, the lives of the people of God up to this point in the book of Samuel? How horrible the lives of Hophni and Phinehas have been. Priests before God. How Eli has turned a deaf ear to the word of God. And a blind eye to his son's complete rejection, and as it's told us later in in this uh, chapter, blaspheming of God before his people and in the presence of the Lord. The people are, are, are suffering. They're not flourishing under this type of ministry 
under this type of life. In fact, what we're seeing is the fruit and the consequences of a life lived apart from and neglecting the word of God. Notice uh, even as it tells us in the, in the context here, and the word of Yahweh was rare in those days. Remember where we said this book of 1 Samuel begins in, in, the, in the context of what's happening in the book of Judges. Remember what was going on in the book of Judges was this downward spiral of God's people rejecting him, despising his word, turning deaf ears and hard hearts to God and his word. And the repeated refrain at the end of Judges is at that time there was no king in Israel and the people did what was right in their own eyes. And the book of Judges gets worse and worse and worse as you read it, as you see the people suffering, as you see them squandering their heritage and their provision and the blessing that God gives them. And the book ends with the people suffering and living a life distant and far from their God. The consequences of living a life apart from the word of God that we desperately need shows itself up among the people of God. And, and something that we as God's people need to recognize and realize. Uh, I mean, I've come to, to see something about, about my, myself. Uh, on, on Sunday mornings, because we're here for so long, um, usually what I'm doing as I'm sitting up in my office is I have a cup of water beside me, and I'm drinking throughout the day. But on Sunday mornings, if I'm not careful, if I'm not aware and make sure that I drink a lot of water in the morning before I get here, take sips of it during the times when I'm not up front with you, if I'm not doing that, then I know without a doubt this afternoon after lunch, I'm going to have a splitting headache. The consequence is beginning to show itself in my body for not taking and drinking and filling myself with what I desperately need. And the scriptures are clear that as God's people, there will be consequences that we will experience in our lives when we neglect, turn from, distance ourselves from the word of God. We desperately need God's word as his people. In fact, the, the scriptures tell us that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Deuteronomy 8. Jesus reiterates the same thing in the New Testament. Well, if that's true, if God's people need his word, then why does it tell us in verse 1 here that it was rare in those days? Do you see what it says? The word of Yahweh was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. You see, at that time, the way that God regularly spoke and revealed himself through his, to his people were through prophets. And at this time, they weren't regularly being sent by God to his people. Why? If it is the truth that we need God's word, why would God fail to reveal himself? 
and hold back during this time. Uh, let's take a picture of uh, a scene, a, a teenager, say 15 or 16. Their life, all they've known is when they get up, breakfast is waiting for them. Dad makes it every morning before they get up and go to, go to school. Lunch, when they, if they're home on the weekends, it's there ready. Or if they're on their way out the door, the bag's sitting there so that they can take it to school in the morning. Mom makes it for them. Every night when they come home, sitting on the table, ready to eat a good meal that nourishes them, that they've not have to lift a finger to prepare or do anything for. All they have to do is show up and eat it. But what comes out of that teenager's mouth is grumbling, complaining, a lack of gratitude. In fact, this, these meals become to be something that, that he despises, that he complains about, that they don't taste good, there's not enough variety. Can't we do something else or eat what the other neighbors do? Or this isn't what I would have made. And so his parents say, okay, from now on, we're not going to make your meals. You're going to need to purchase and prepare your breakfast, purchase and prepare your lunch, purchase and prepare your dinner. Why would they do such a thing? Do they want that teenager to die? No. They want that teenager to realize the provision that he's been given up to this point. They want him to, to realize how much he needs what they've been providing for him in love and move to a place of gratitude, of thankfulness. Slowly, what you know what will happen after the teenager has to make breakfast for so long and lunch and realizes that what they're making isn't as good as what mom or dad could make, that in the end they're going to come back and think, ah, you know what, it wasn't so bad after all. Why was I so foolish to complain about that? My life was so much easier and went along so much better when I was feasting upon what they provided and gave me. That is what the Lord is seeking to do here among his people. Uh, he's, he's done this before in the lives of his people. That, that passage that verse, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord comes from Deuteronomy chapter 8. In that context, God's talking about how he provided for his people in the wilderness when they were wandering. And he says this, he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of Yahweh. God is intent to demonstrate and show his people their deep, deep need for his word. Here in Deuteronomy, it came through his provision. I am giving you the manna so that you will realize how desperately you need my word. But God's people don't always get that message. We see that here in Samuel, but it occurs later in Amos. Listen to what God promises his people due to their continued rejection, continued complaints, 
continued antagonism towards God for his word, for his laws, for his calling in their lives. Listen to what he says in Amos chapter 8, verse 11. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord Yahweh, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of Yahweh. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of Yahweh, but they shall not find it. Why would he do this? Because he must show his people and they must realize how much they need their God and they need his word. Because God's people living a life apart from his word results in disaster, struggle, hardship, pain, difficulty. Think, think about the Ten Commandments. Think about living in a city where everyone, I mean every single person, follows the Ten Commandments. Not worshiping other, any other gods, only worshiping the one living and true God, loving him with their heart, not having any idols, keeping the, the Sabbath day, not taking the Lord's name in vain. They're loving their husbands and their wives. There's no adultery. There's no murder. There's no harsh words. There's no lying. There's no coveting. There's no cheating. People serve and give. Who would not want to live there? What if you lived in a town, though, that was completely devoid of the Word of God? That revelation, any knowledge of those good rules and laws and of anyone who practiced them, that would be a living hell. Misery and suffering. You don't see what God has given his people and what he's trying to reveal and show them here in 1 Samuel. He's withholding continued revelation of his word so that they would realize and see the consequences and repent and call out to him. It is a blessing. It is a privilege that as God's people, he would give you his word. In fact, that was his purpose from the beginning. Back in Deuteronomy 4, listen to what God told his people. The reason, part of the reason they have there that is word. See, I've taught you statutes and rules, says Yahweh, that Yahweh my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them. For they will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as Yahweh our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that's set before you today. You see, as God's people, you don't just need God's word because it brings blessing to your life, although it does. Psalm 1 tells us that. We need God's word because as we feed upon God's word, as we read upon God's word, as we're shaped and live our lives in conformity to God's word, it communicates to the nations the goodness and the greatness 
and the glory of our God, which is why we've been saved. If we want to live life as God's people, we need his word. You see, sometimes, even though we're God's people who have been blessed to have more scripture than they had at Samuel's point, to actually have access to God's word in abundance that no people in the history of humanity have had. How many Bibles do we have just in this room right here? How many do you have in your house? You got any with dust on them? You got any that you don't read? You got any new ones? There's student study Bibles. There's women's study Bibles. Men's study Bibles. Uh, there's a member of our church that has a, a Bible that is, uh, has study notes in it that's geared towards first responders and EMS workers. Children's Bibles. Retiree Bibles. Pick a translation. We have it. There's a feast of God's word and of resources out there for us to dig into his scriptures. But many times, you know how we're living? As if we're under a famine. A famine of God's word. A self-imposed one. Not because God is, is judging and disciplining us as his people, but because of our failure to recognize and realize how desperately we need his word. Think about your life right now. Do you realize how much you need God's word? Because the only time you open up the scriptures, you encounter God in his word is here on Sunday mornings. And then do you impose a self-inflicted fast and famine from now until next Sunday? Why live as if you were being cursed and judged by God? Live as the blessed people of God who you've experienced his grace and his mercy, that he's given you his word, that he's revealed himself to you through the work of his spirit, that you would know the beauties of the gospel, that the God who has given you his word has taken on flesh to redeem and save you. Why live apart from his word? What consequences do you see in your life? The longer that you stay away from deep time, digging in God's word, to be shaped by it, to be changed by it, to encounter the one who has given it to you. We need God's word. First Samuel is showing us the consequences of a life lived apart from God's word. But we also see here in this you may say it goes without saying, but it doesn't. That the word of God comes from God himself. Not only do God's people need God's word, but it is God himself who gives his people his word. Look in verse 2 and following. And at that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. 
The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of Yahweh, where the ark of God was. Then Yahweh called to Samuel, and he said, Here I am. And Eli ran, uh, and he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and he lay down, and Samuel, uh, and Yahweh called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know Yahweh, and the word of Yahweh had not yet appeared to him. And Yahweh called Samuel again a third time, and he rose and he went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that Yahweh was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Yahweh, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And Yahweh came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then Yahweh said to Samuel. Here, first, notice that God is speaking. But Eli and Samuel are so unfamiliar with God's word that they don't recognize the voice of God. That's one thing for us to take notice of. Are we familiar enough with the word of God that when we hear it from the scriptures, we recognize it for what it is? Or when we hear other things in the world and the culture around us, coming from the pulpit in churches or out of your own heart and your own desires, do you recognize this right here is not God's word? This is not coming from uh, his spirit or it's consistent with what he is calling us to. We need to be those that are familiar with the voice of our God so that we recognize it, we hear it, we follow it. But notice What God is intent on communicating and showing us here through 1 Samuel is that here he is providing a prophet. He is providing, he is breaking this silence. He is breaking this discipline. He is breaking this judgment on his people. And he is calling one that will speak his word to his people. God here is calling Samuel and he's giving him a message for him to communicate, which he later does to Eli. But notice, as the chapter sums up in verse 19, what it says. Uh, and this, uh, this section of uh, 1 Samuel actually speaks and goes into, uh, the, tells us kind of what lies ahead. The, chapter 4 breaks in as Samuel's a, a younger, but this is kind of giving us a foreshadowing of the totality of his ministry. And Samuel grew... And Yahweh was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of Yahweh. And Yahweh appeared again at Shiloh, for Yahweh revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of Yahweh. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. You see, it's important that God's people recognize now that Samuel is being called from God. That the words that Samuel will be speaking, the message that he is bringing, comes from God. Samuel isn't making these things up. They're not the words of Samuel invented and coming to the people by men. They are coming from God. That is why it's important here that we see it is God himself who calls to Samuel. 
It is God himself who speaks to Samuel. It is God who doesn't let Samuel's words fall to the wayside. It is God who establishes him as a prophet. A prophet. It's important for us to understand what that is. It's not somebody that, that tells the, the future, although sometimes as prophets are working, they did do that. But what a prophet is, is he's a mediator. A mediator from God to man. A priest functions the other way. A priest is a mediator that goes from the people to God. But here, God is sending a prophet that is coming to his people and speaking his words to them, calling them to covenant faithfulness, establishing his truth and his reality in the world. And it, is, it must be recognized that what these guys are saying when they are called is that they're speaking God's word, not their own God in his love, God in his grace is not content to let his people wander and stray and flounder, but he brings a prophet to them to speak his word, to call them to faithfulness. And in fact, we'll see this play out through the rest of God's people's lives. Redemptive history as God provides prophets until until he provides the great prophet. Listen to what the author of Hebrews says in chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. Long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. John tells us in the beginning of his account of Jesus' life and teachings that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And the Word of God became flesh and dwelled among us. Jesus, the revelation of God, God sending his enfleshed Word to us, to bring us true revelation of our God, who he is and what he's encountered. You see, Jesus, the true prophet, has always been at work. Remember when we saw that in 1 Peter? That the prophets searched the scriptures, wondering and trying to see what the spirit of Christ was in them, was foretelling as they looked for and hoped for his revelation and his coming. Or to see that the scriptures tell us that the word of God is the very word of God. It is not just left to the uh, interpretation of man or produced by a human. It's important that we recognize and see the word that we are dependent upon, the word that we are hoping in, the word that we desperately need is not the words of men. The Bible is not myth. It is not fable. It has not come about through just the, the works and the imaginations of men, but it is the very word of God given to you, his people, for your good, for your shaping, for your discipline, for your correction, for your training, that you might grow in godliness and righteousness. Here we're seeing that the people of God need the prophet of God to bring his word. And we, live at a point in redemptive history where we have experienced 
the ministry of the prophet to end all prophets, who has fully and completely revealed to us all we need to know about our God. There are no more prophets. Do not be deceived by anyone who would claim to be a prophet today, bringing new revelation from our God. What did Hebrews say? In the former times he spoke by prophets. How has he spoken now? Through Jesus. And how does Jesus continue to speak? How does God continue to speak to you as people? Through his spirit as he applies his word to your heart and your lives. We as God's people have his word. We are the people of God and we have been given his word which we desperately need. And if that is true, then what should we do with it? Look in verse 15, after Samuel receives this message from the Lord. Samuel lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of Yahweh, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, Here I am. And Eli said, What is it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also, if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is Yahweh. Let him do what is good to him. First, notice the the response of Eli. Uh, Up to this point, Eli has been living a disobedient life to God and his word. But here, Eli is one who is seeking out the word of God. He knew God had spoken to Samuel. And in the morning, he comes to Samuel and says, What is it that he said? Don't withhold anything from me of what he said. Notice that this seeking and desiring to hear the word of God uh, is regardless of how hard and difficult it may be to hear. That Eli knows I need God's word and it may be hard. It may cut. It may wound. But I need the word of God. And that is true for me and you. That we need to come and seek out the word of God. Not just to be built up and encouraged. Although that does happen. But we need God's word. Even when it means rebuke. Even when it means correction. Even when God is cutting deep into your heart. And revealing your sin and your rebellion. Why would he hurt you like that? He loves you. Discipline isn't pleasant at the time, Hebrews tells us. So why would God discipline us? Because he loves you. That shows that you are his legitimate children, that he would care enough to shape and form and call you from your sin to righteous life with him. We must be those who, because we need God's word, because it's come to us from God, that we seek it out, regardless of how hard it may be. But also we need to be those who are speaking it. Look at verse 15. At first, Samuel is afraid to tell Eli the vision that God has given him in verse 15. But then what do we see happens in the end? In the end, Samuel comes and he tells Eli everything and hid nothing. As hard as that message was to deliver. As unpopular and uncomfortable as it may have been to speak, he spoke it. Why? Because God's people need God's word. And God has given his word to his people. 
We, as a church, need to be in prayer for our leaders. That myself, that Tim and Aaron, as they are ordained as elders here, that we are those who, recognizing this, that this is God's word given to you and you need it, that we will be those who speak it and who do not hide any of it from you. Guess what this may mean, though? Sometimes you may need to hear hard and difficult things that will not make you happy in the moment. Do you want that? Do you want to seek that out? Or do we want to be like Hophni and Phinehas who continue to scorn God's word and push away his rebuke and his correction? Pray for us that we would be bold to do that. I really want you to like me. Pray, though, that I would see your need for God's word more and that I would honor God above myself. Please, please pray that for me. Seek God's word. Speak God's word. Lastly, notice as we close up, submit. Submit to God's word. Look at verse 18. After this hard message of punishment that Eli receives. Do you recognize his, do you see his response? It is Yahweh. Let him do what seems good to him. Eli entrusts himself to God and submits to what God has said. Are we willing and eager to submit to our good and gracious Savior? the one who hasn't only given us his word, but he's given us himself, his life to suffer and die. Why would we not want to submit to this God who would withhold nothing from us to redeem and save us? Submitting to his word may be costly. It'll be difficult. It'll be hard. That's why we need to keep going back and remembering that we need it. And that our God, the sovereign one, has given it to us for his glory. That means that many of us now need to recognize and look in our own hearts. Is the word of God rare in your life right now? Are you imposing those famines and those distance and long times between digging and encountering God and his word? Do you refuse to submit to it? Then what we need to do and where we need to start is by repenting. Repenting of these, this wrong kind of appetite. Repenting of scorning the blessing that God has given us by giving us his good word. By living out a life as God's people, seeking him, not just having it. Do you know that having God's word isn't enough? Reading it also isn't enough. I've told you about my professor at NC State. She knew the Old Testament scriptures back and forward. But she did not submit to them. God is calling us to Christ, calling us to rest and hope in him. Call and ask the Lord now to begin to change your heart. Some of you may be wondering, yeah, I, 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 I recognize that. And I'm repenting before the Lord. I recognize that. I would much rather be reading sports scores in the morning or playing video games 
or going to uh, my favorite political blog or podcast and being fed there other than God's word. But where do I start? We have a lot of resources next door. I'll, sh- I'll just highlight some now, and you can, we can talk later. We have stuff over there. Adults, you want to learn how to dig into God's word? 90 days through the scriptures right here. Kids, you're just beginning to read. You want to dig into God's word that he's given to you as his children? We have resources for that. Here, you can start going through Genesis, Matthew, and Acts. Explore the Bible. Middle schoolers, we have something for you next door, too. It's a way for you to learn how to dig through God's word and discover more what he has there for you. And high schoolers, we have something over there as well. A resource to help you learn how to dig into God's word that your hunger, that your thirst, that your craving would move to God and his word. The gracious one who has given his son to redeem and save you. Do you not realize what a blessing it is to be the people of God who have the word of God? We need it. Let's seek it and seek the God who has given it to us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the good news of the gospel. We thank you for the redemption that is ours in Christ. Uh, We thank you for the word by which you've revealed yourself to us. You redeemed and saved us and continue to do so. Uh, We pray now that you would continue to nourish and feed us, not just from these words spoken, but from the visible words of the Lord's Supper. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.